Turn with your Bibles uh, to, to Luke 19. Luke 19, I'm gonna read this, and then we're gonna just jump in. Luke 19, we're gonna read the first 10 verses together. This is what it says. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came, not to, seek, came to seek and to save the lost. I'm excited to jump into this story this morning. But what I wanna do real quickly is just kind of set up uh, the next three weeks of where we're gonna be. Um, and so we have this season of fasting, like, like I mentioned earlier, and the thing that we have called this season the past, I guess, three or four years is Awaken. And in the name itself that we call this season is what we're asking God to do. We're asking God to awaken us. We're asking God to awaken our city. We're asking God to awaken the movement that Jesus began 2,000 years ago. But over the next three weeks, what we're gonna be specifically doing is asking God to awaken us, to awaken our hearts. We're gonna be asking him to, to awaken us to see, to awaken us to hear, to awaken us to do. So awaken us to see God for who he really is. Awaken us to hear his voice more than we hear any other voice. And then awaken us to do the things that God is already doing and join in with him. Now today, this morning, what we're gonna be doing is asking God uh, to awaken us, to awaken us to see. Awaken us to see Jesus for who he really is. And one of the things that I want us to do during this season of prayer and fasting is to actually spend more time praying and less time talking about praying. I want us to actually spend less time preaching and more time praying. And so my hope is to wrap this up as quickly as possible, and then for us to communally ask God to do this. So let's jump into the story together this morning and then spend some time praying communally together. And so we're jumping into the Gospel of Luke, and we're looking at a story that you may be familiar with. As you read this, you're like, yeah, I've heard this story. I know this story. There may be that like song, that children's worship song running through your head right now about Zacchaeus, the wee little man. And my hope is that we kind of set that aside this morning and we come at this with like fresh eyes because this passage gripped my heart in a way this week that I just felt like, God, I've been robbed of the, the beauty of this story because of this song that I've kind of made it out to be and it's so much richer, so much richer than I anticipated when I got into this text. 
Now, just to give us a little context, a little background, we haven't been in the Gospel of Luke, so I just kind of want to catch us up. There are 24 chapters in the Gospel of Luke, so we're in Luke chapter 19, just to kind of give you a visual. We're on the tail end of Jesus's ministry here. The tail end, in fact, 10 days from this story, this interaction between him and Zacchaeus, 10 days from now, Jesus is about to go to the cross. And so this encounter with Zacchaeus is pretty significant. It's this moment, 10 days from the cross, where we find this really, I think, beautiful, significant interaction between Jesus and a tax collector. And kind of name two things. One, help us to see Jesus for who he really is and help us to see like Jesus. The first thing I really wanna talk about is the fact that Zacchaeus, he saw Jesus and he saw Jesus for who Jesus actually is. You can, you can see the life change that happens. You see, at, at this point, the word of Jesus, who he was and what he was like had clearly spread. People had become aware of his life-altering power, like his life-altering preaching, his life-altering life. He had been healing he had been preaching. He had been casting out demons. And basically at this point, anywhere Jesus would go, like a crowd was there. Like that's where we find ourselves in Jesus's story. And this man, Zacchaeus, he had heard about the buzz. Like he had heard, he had heard, oh, th this one, this Jesus, he has the potential to be the Messiah. He has the potential. Now, we don't know much about Zacchaeus. Like we really don't know a whole lot at all. Luke, he tells us two things. He says, hey, he, he was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy, two things. And I found it so interesting because you typically know, hey, if they're a tax collector, they're wealthy. But Luke kind of goes the extra mile to, to point out the fact that Zacchaeus was a wealthy man. And I think something that Luke was trying to do here was trying to let us in on the fact by, hey, all earthly standards like all worldly standards, like Zacchaeus was set. Like he was set up. He was good to go. He had a nice house. He had nice clothes. His 401k was looking pretty. But really, like he was good to go. He had everything that he needed. Yet, yet, there was something, I think, inside of Zacchaeus that was missing, and he knew it. I believe that he, he was yearning for something, he was longing for something, he was looking for something that the world had yet to gratify. How many of you have found yourself in that place? You've looked, you've searched, you've done it over and over and over again, and you're like, oh, there's something missing still. And Zacchaeus, I think he was thinking, maybe this Jesus Maybe this Jesus, maybe this is the thing that I've been looking for. Maybe this is the thing that I've been longing for. And so he, he sets up these plans and he sets out to see Jesus. Well, when he gets there, a crowd was there before him. And when he arrives on the scene, he, he has to kind of come up with a backup plan. And he's not really sure what to do. So he sees this tree and he's like, you know what? I, this may be my only shot. This may be my only chance to have an interaction with this one I've heard about. And so he climbs the tree. He, he seeks Jesus out and he goes to great lengths to do this. I was thinking this week about just kind of how foolish he must've looked. Like 
a grown man climbing up in this tree with his robe on. Like, what would that have been like? We see a grown man climbing a tree and we're like, that's a little weird. What's going on there? Like back then, I think it probably would have been even, even more embarrassing for him to do this. Now, who knows what, what Zacchaeus was expecting? Like, think about it. Like, what was he expecting? Was, was he hoping to hear Jesus preach? Well, was he hoping to watch Jesus heal, perform miracles? Was he hoping maybe just to have a glimpse? Like, was that his only goal, just to have a glimpse of this Jesus? I don't know what exactly he was expecting, but I guarantee he got more than he bargained for. Because there's this moment, Jesus sees Zacchaeus, and he says, hey, I want want you to come down here. I want to talk to you. And I don't just want to talk to you for a moment. In fact, I'm coming to your house for dinner tonight. Which, by the way, I'm pretty sure like Jesus is the only one that can get away with this. I was like, who, who like meets someone who's like, I'm coming to your house for dinner tonight. It's like, only Jesus can do that and be like, yes, please, please come. I want to cook for you. Zacchaeus, what he does is he scurries down immediately. Jesus sees him. He invites him down. He scurries down immediately. And it says, it, he welcomed him gladly. I, I, I was just thinking about this interaction this week. Think about this moment. Like Jesus sees Zacchaeus, he, he invites him down. And, and then there's this, there's this interaction. We don't really know what happened. It doesn't really tell us. Like I'm sure Zacchaeus had some questions. I'm sure Jesus had some questions for Zacchaeus. But I just kept imagining like this moment. Zacchaeus meets Jesus for the first time. And, and the, the, the warmth he must have experienced like the embrace he must have experienced, the, the belonging and the purpose that he had been looking for was found right there in that moment. This is what I've been missing more. This is who I've been missing. And there was something about this moment, something about this conversation that opened up Zacchaeus's heart and his mind. And I believe he, he saw Jesus for who Jesus really was. How do we know? Well, look at his response in verse eight. Look at his response in verse eight. He says, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Did you notice the title he gave Jesus? Earlier he was searching out to see like who this Jesus was. And now he's saying, Lord, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus was now the Lord of his life, like that. Now, what was the result of this? Well, very quickly we see, hey, his life was no longer about him. His life was about Jesus and his kingdom, like that. He was a changed man when he saw Jesus for who Jesus really is. His life was now about Jesus and his ways. He would take half, think about this, He would take half of what he owned and he would give it to the poor. Anybody that he had cheated out of of their taxes, he would actually take what he had cheated and he would pay it back four times the amount. This this man was now gonna enter into the kingdom of God, but he wasn't gonna enter the kingdom of God a wealthy man. He wasn't gonna enter the kingdom of God a prideful man, a deceitful man, because he had seen Jesus for who Jesus really is. And Jesus was worth everything. 
Jesus was worth it all. He had a new life and he had a new lifestyle. Why? Because he had a new Lord. He had a new Lord. And this is what happens. I believe when we see Jesus for who Jesus really is, when we are awakened, when we're awakened to the reality of who Jesus is, when we find our purpose, when we find our meaning, when we find our life in him, our lives are no longer our own, right? They are his. When Jesus becomes Lord, when we see Jesus as Lord, when we see him for who he really is as a follower of Jesus, our finances are no longer our own, they're his. Our plans are no longer our own, they're his. It's what gives the apostle Paul the ability to say, hey, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Why? Jesus, my life is yours. And I believe some of us, including myself, including myself, need a fresh vision of who Jesus really is. We need a fresh vision of who Jesus really is. He's not, he's not this side thing. He's not this add-on. He's not, he's not just a part of your life. He is life. He is where life is found. He's where the abundant life is found. Because when we see Jesus for who Jesus really is, we realize, oh, you're the Lord of Lords. Like, you're the King of Kings. You're the creator of the universe. You're gonna be the one that comes back for us. You're gonna be the one that we spend eternity with. Jesus, wow, that's who you are. Nothing else matters. Everything on the table for the sake of the gospel of the kingdom and the glory of God. So one of our prayers this morning is to me, God, will you awaken us to see Jesus? See him for who he really is. And something that I think happens, something I think happens when we see Jesus as Lord, when we see him for who he really is, is that we then begin to see like Jesus. When you see Jesus for who he really is, then you on your own, in your own life, begin to see like Jesus, which is the second movement. Now, there are a number of layers about seeing like Jesus, and I'm only gonna talk about a couple of them because the way that Jesus sees things, I mean, we we could do an entire sermon series on this. But the thing that I wanna kind of hone in on today is Jesus would actually notice and see the people in front of him. Jesus would actually see the people in front of him. Now, I don't mean like he would look at the people in front of him. I mean, he would see the people in front of him. Look at verse five with me. It says, when Jesus had reached the spot, the spot being where Zacchaeus was, he looked up and he said to Zacchaeus, come down immediately. He looked up. He looked up. Now, I was playing this scenario out in my head this week, just like, okay, put myself in Jesus's shoes, like, what, what happens? I, I think maybe on a good day, on a good day, I, I notice Zacchaeus. But six times out of seven, like six days out of seven, I think I'm just walking by. I think I'm just keeping going. Well, in all honesty, it's probably for pretty good reasons. Like the reason I would keep going most days are pretty good. Like I've got someone else I'm meeting somewhere else, right? 
Like I've, I've, I've got this agenda in my head that I really do have to get to. I've got meetings in place at a certain time and there's nothing that's getting in the way of those. I've got thoughts going on in my head. Like I'm, I'm working some things out up here. I'm working through this conflict going on in my life. I'm, I'm working through this situation at home in my head and most of the time I don't think I even see them. But you know what hit me this week? There is never a situation where I am busier than Jesus was here. I mean, when's the last time you had a crowd like vying for your attention? I don't know, some of y'all might be TikTok famous or something and you got, you got a crowd that I don't know about. But how, how often are you this busy? 10 days away. Jesus, 10 days away from going to the cross. He had three years of earthly ministry and he's getting ready to wrap it up. I mean, think about it. He, he had a lot to teach the disciples at this point. They still hadn't quite gotten it. They had a lot to learn. There's some sermons to be preached. There's some healing to be done. And what does Jesus do? He stops. He looks up and, and he notices this, this man that's, that's looking for meaning, that's looking for purpose. He says, hey, Zacchaeus, come down. I wanna talk to you for a second. In fact, I don't just want to talk for a second. I got enough time. I'm coming to your house for dinner tonight. Now, this, this isn't just a one-time thing for Jesus. This is who he is. I was actually having a really hard time picking a passage of Scripture. I think about the story of, of Jesus being on his way to, to heal this little boy who is literally on his deathbed. Like, this boy is about to die, and as he's on his way, once again, there's a crowd around him. This woman tugs at his robe, tugs at his robe, and, and Jesus, instead of doing what I would probably do, kind of like, who's pulling on me? Just keep walking. Jesus, what's he do? Once again, he stops. He looks at her. This woman who had been bleeding for so many years, nothing, nothing could heal her. He stops, he sees her, he blesses her, he heals her, and he keeps on going. I thought about the moment where these parents are bringing their kids to Jesus, and they're like, just bringing their kids up to Jesus. I don't know what they wanted, Jesus to bless them, pray for them, touch them. And the disciples are like, oh man, this is getting chaotic. Like, we gotta get these kids out of here. Probably what I would have been saying, and Jesus, what, like, what did Jesus do? He said, no, 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 let the kids come to me. This is not a distraction. Over and over again in the gospels, you see this. And one of the reasons that I believe Jesus was able to like see people so well is because he was wherever his feet were. He was wherever his feet, here's what I mean by this. He was mentally and spiritually in the same place that he was physically. Mentally, spiritually, in the same place that he was physically. He was present to the moment. Therefore, he was present to the people around him. How often do you find yourself thinking about what is next as opposed to what's happening right now? Like, how often do you think about what's next as opposed to what's happening right now? Some of you are like, 
I'm going to stop doing my to-do list for later this afternoon right now. How often do you find yourself thinking about that next conversation? When you're in the middle of a conversation right now, you're like, oh, I actually need to be talking to this person about that thing. Or, or maybe you're with someone or you're with someone's, but Instagram or Facebook or TikTok has transported you elsewhere. I think more often than not, we miss the opportunity God might be putting right in front of us because we are mentally in another place, guilty. And I think a big part of God awakening us to see like Jesus is helping us become people who are present to the moment and present to the people around us. Making this a practice wherever we go, whoever we're around, being there, being there, not anywhere else. It's that moment when you're in line at the grocery store and instead of whipping out the phone to scroll, you look up, you smile, you look at the people around you and who knows, maybe even strike up a conversation with the person beside you. It's, it's that moment at work when, you know, you hear the knock at the door or someone stops by your desk and it's that, it's that person who always seems to find the worst time to come and talk to you. And instead of, you know, like sending those signals that we all know how to send, like this email is more important than the conversation I'm about to have with you, you stop. You look at them. You hear them talk back, you, you, you see them, because it's a person right in front of you. It's that moment when you're walking down the sidewalk and, and someone stops you and they're asking for something. And even if you're not going to give them what, what they're asking for, you, you, you see them. You ask them their name. Who knows, but God might be even bringing an opportunity for you to bless them, encourage them, pray for them in some way. I sometimes wonder if the interruption isn't just an interruption, but it's actually an invitation from God? What if sometimes that interruption isn't actually just an interruption, but it's an invitation from God? Now, don't hear me. Sometimes an interruption is just an interruption, but sometimes God might be inviting you into something more. But Jesus, he didn't just like see people. He didn't just notice people. When he saw them, when he looked at them, when he noticed them, he saw something different. He looked at them differently. Because when Jesus looks at someone, he doesn't look at the outside appearance. He doesn't look at what seems to be going on. He doesn't look by the standards of culture. He doesn't look at people from the moral majority perspective. No, he looks at people. When he sees them, he, he sees them in the image they were made in, the image of God, a person made in the image of God. Look back with me to verse seven. Verse seven, it says, all the people saw this and began to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus. Like, does Jesus not know about Zacchaeus? Does Jesus not know what he's done to me? Does Jesus not know how much he's cheated me out of taxes? 
Like you can just, you can just hear all the murmurs, all the things that were being said. But this verse it, it isn't just a verse in this story, right? More often than not, this is the heart posture that I have. This is the heart posture that I find myself carrying. Oh man, so quick to judge a person before I even have a conversation with them. So quick to write someone off because I already know their story. So quick to just look at the people around me and jump to snap conclusions. But not Jesus. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. See, the crowd, they're like, ah, oh. crowd sees a sinner. Who does Jesus see? A son. The crowd, they, they see extortion and lies. Extortion and lies. Who does Jesus see? Redemption and renewal. We bless you in Jesus' name. We bless you. It's hard. Mama and daddy are good, mommies and daddies. The crowd, what, what did the crowd see? They saw insignificant and small. What did, what did Jesus see? Important, valuable. But it's not just Zacchaeus that he sees through this lens, right? This is each, each and every person that Jesus would come across, each and every person that Jesus would see, an image bearer, a son, a daughter, Someone who was made, not in just any image, but in his image. And I believe this is the posture that he's inviting us to have. This is the lens through which he's inviting us to see people. The people that get put in our path. The people that interrupt our lives. Son, daughter of the most high God. What I love about what happens when you when you get a glimpse of who Jesus really is. Like when you see Jesus for who he really is, when he, when he becomes the Lord of your life, you don't as much have to worry about seeing people. The seeing will come because the more and more we become like Christ, the more and more we will see others with the same lens that Christ see others with. So I realize, like I could stand up here all morning long and talk about this. Oh, Jesus, we, we need to see you for who you really are. We, we need a fresh vision of you as Lord of our lives. Like, we, we need to see people, Jesus, as you saw them. Like, that's what we're commissioned to do. But I, I realize, like, me standing up here and talking about this for 30 more minutes is not going to do it. The place that I believe this happens is in the great exchange of prayer. Like where the Holy Spirit, like this is something that the Holy Spirit has to do in our hearts and lives. We can't will ourselves to do this. We can't make ourselves do this. Even if we do it for a couple days, we'll burn out. We need the Holy Spirit of God to come and give us a fresh revelation of Jesus as Lord. We need the Holy Spirit to come and turn our hearts of stone, turn our judgmental hearts into hearts that are present to people, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Seeing people, not through the facade, but seeing people straight all the way through as Jesus saw them. Prayer, I believe, is the place that this happens. And so this morning around communion, I want us to pray into a couple of things. I want us to pray these two things, that, that we would be awakened to see Jesus 
for who Jesus really is. For some of you, it may be the first time. Like, you have not yet stepped into relationship and life with Jesus. And your prayer during this communal prayer time is gonna be, Jesus, like, will you help me to see you for who you really are? Will you help me to take that step as inviting you as Lord of my life, just like we saw here in Luke chapter 19? For others of you who've been following Jesus, you need this fresh revelation. Like, Jesus has not been Lord. He, he, he's, he's been something you've added on to the side, and you need to just, Father, will you help Jesus be the Lord of my life? Will you help me see him for who he really is? And then I want us to pray that, that God would do something in our hearts right now in this moment that would allow us to go out this week and see people differently. Because we can't do it trying. We, we, need, we need the Holy Spirit. And so what I wanna invite us to do right now, and, and Tim, if you'll just kind of play some background music, that'd be awesome. I didn't give you a heads up, but that'd be awesome. I want us to just circle up our chairs and pray as we take communion. I want us to circle up our chairs and really just ask God to do what only God can do. I'm done. Let's talk to our Father together. And so there's communion in the back if you haven't grabbed communion. What I'm gonna invite you to do is just circle up your chairs. Um, there's one gathering at Marathon, and so we, we can mess up our chairs. Circle up our chairs, and let's spend five or, or 10 minutes just going to the Father, asking him to do what only he can do, and then let's take communion together while we do that. So circle up your chairs. Find some people to pray with. If you don't have anybody to pray with, make a new friend. Um, we have the same Father, which is awesome, so make a new friend. <laughs>